Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the Find Your Great Work interview series. Here's your host, MBS. Today, I'm talking to Bill Jensen, who is the president and CEO of the Jensen Group. Now, I've been excited to talk to all of the folks in this Find Your Great Work interview series, but with Bill, I've got this particular charge today because Bill has been one of the big influences on my own thinking and my own style and sort of showing up in the world. He, um, the core of the Jensen Group's work is how work gets done and how can we do it better. Um, he, the work is based on, first of all, some solid research. The Jensen Group, in conjunction with the Northern Illinois University, has surveyed and interviewed over half a million people around how work gets done and what do we need to do differently because if I was to sum up Bill's perspective on work is we have got a long way to go and you get that from the titles of his books. His first book was called Simplicity. Um, been in print uh, in over 15 different languages, was Amazon's number five leadership book in 2000, a really terrific book as is the companion book, the, Sim- the Simplicity Survival Handbook, which is awesome. It's a really great book. Uh, it's got like 32 specific tactics about how to do less and accomplish more. Anything from how to delete 75% of your emails, and who doesn't want to do that, to how to clarify your goals more quickly. Um, he's written Work 2.0 about changing the rules in the war for talent, and also his latest book is What's Your Life's Work, which is about, well, it does what it says on the label. So here's one other thing I want to tell you about Bill, I think it's important. He has a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and um, I'm a big believer in the power of design and simplicity as a way of creating structures that allow you to create more great work. And I think it's cool that Bill's got that background, that he brings that sensibility to, to this conversation. So, Bill, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. And it's a and it's a perfect matchup because uh, everything I do, although I'm marketed differently under my own brand, everything I do is based on the belief that everyone has within them already the power to do great work. Right. And really, my job is just unleashing it, helping people get out of their own way. So I'm kind of Mr. Simplicity by helping people, you know, the, our, the Jensen Group's overall mission is to make it easier to get stuff done. But what I've done, you know, you mentioned the books and the research. What I've done is I've spent about two decades researching the best practices for doing less so that you can actually accomplish more. You know, I teach people through the, I've, I've just learned from people who, who figure out the workarounds out there around the world, you know, how can I do less of the stupid stuff and do more of what really matters? So I teach people how to work smarter, uh, how to say no, how, you know, how to figure out what matters to them and how to stay focused on that, uh, how to communicate more effectively, how to manage other people's expectations. Uh, a lot of it is uh, how to eliminate the clutter and the crap that gets in everybody's way. You know, I think um, our challenge on this call is how to stop it being a sort of 
ecstasy of mutual self-congratulations because we are going to agree with most of the things we're talking about. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this, Bill. Is there anything I missed in that introduction that you want to add just so people know who you are and where you're coming from? Um, I'd say that's pretty much it, just that the Jensen Group focuses on helping large companies simplify all their best practices and that I, as a speaker and as a consultant, help coach individual leaders and I speak all around the world on this topic. So you're a speaker and speakers are always storytellers. So I'm wondering if you could start us off by telling us a story of your own great work, a time where you tackled great work and what that was like and, and how it unfolded for you. Well, there there are two. The the second of which is probably more important to everyone, but the uh, and and more insightful and more applicable to everyone who's you know getting this information. But the first one is very personal. Well, both are personal, but the first one helped me develop. Uh, you mentioned that I had a bachelor of fine arts. I went to school for graphic design, and I went to school at Rochester Institute of Technology. And there was a, an instructor there from Basel, Switzerland. And this guy was a tough taskmaster. And he taught the, the Bauhaus School of Design. And that came out of the, the 20s and 30s from Germany and Switzerland. And it was all about form follows function. They were anal compulsive about eliminating frou-frou and extra stuff. Right. And, you know, this guy really you know, got on my butt and it kept making me eliminate unnecessary things. And we had this one assignment where I had to draw an object. Mine was a pair of pliers just with tempera. And we spent an entire semester, 15 weeks, just drawing with just black and white tempera a pair of pliers, 15 weeks. Right. And we had to be, you know, we weren't given a straight edge yet. All We were integrated on how straight our straight lines were. We weren't given a compass or a circle uh, template, but we were graded on how perfect our curves were. So it was unbelievably tedious, and I was so thrilled to be done with that. So I went home for Christmas. I came back. I was happy to be done with that project. What's he do? We start the spring semester. He gives us the exact same thing back. <laughs> and we spent 15 weeks only with white tempera. <laughs> well, we had to take an entire semester just slowly reducing this thing slowly reducing it until all you had was just the the inference by a line or a shape of a pair of pliers and the final exam was he took your brush and drop of white tempera and if he put that one drop on it and it disappeared you couldn't tell what it was anymore you passed because you took it just far enough, but too far, not too far. Right. If he put that drop of tempera on there and you could still tell it was a pair of pliers, you didn't push far enough. And what this, it, it was an, it was probably the worst educational experience of my life. <laughs> educational. Yeah. However, long term in my life, it taught me to really look deeply inside of things and how they work and understand what's the essence of something. 
So that really, really, you know, how I, that was where I began to earn the moniker Mr. Simplicity, is understanding how to cut away all the extraneous stuff and get to only what matters. I mean, you know, I'm sure you'll know the, uh, the Einstein quote, you know, things should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. Right. And I, and I lived that for a full year, and I hated it at the time. Right. Now I know its value. But what is, it, what is the value of getting to the essence, though? Um, there is uh, a friend of mine, Tom Davenport, years ago wrote a, a book called the, the Attention Economy. The problem we have in today's more, better, faster society is everyone's ability to push stuff at us and demand stuff of us and demand our attention far exceeds our ability to give our attention. So a great skill that everyone needs nowadays is the ability to edit, to understand. Now, I did it graphically, but now it applies to everything. The ability to understand, to look a basic skill. Here's, here's something that everybody needs to have. It's, it's career skill 101, the most basic thing. You should be able to line up 15 documents that are about 50 pages long, scan them in no longer than five minutes, figure out the most important thing in all of those documents, get to the essence, pull it out, highlight it, and use it. Now, that takes critical thinking skills, that takes assessment, that takes a synthesizing, that takes focusing, that takes communication skills. That is a skill we are all going to have to have, both in taking information out of things yep. and also giving it back. There are, two, there are two core skills we all have to have now. The ability to synthesize anything super fast that's coming in and going out, the, managing, the ability to do what I call speed freak clarity, the ability to get to the point faster than people are already thinking about in their head. And that's hard. That means every five, you have no more than five minutes in a meeting and no more than five seconds in an email. Right, because ideally you don't have a 50-page document to scan, you have a one-page document to scan because... They, they've sort of cut the crap in the right, middle exactly. of the fluff that fills these documents. Now, we're getting deeper, Michael, into the, into the how-tos. If you don't mind, can I loop back to the great work story, the second one? Yep, please do. Um, probably the more important to everyone, you know, getting this information is um, it was actually uh, the night my mom died. It was in 1994. And long story short, we were a matriarchal uh, family. You know, everything revolved around mom. It was unexpected. She had a massive stroke. We, my family and my sisters and their families got to the hospital just in time to be told mom wasn't going to make it through the night. It was a big shock. And then we were told to wait in the family waiting room outside the intensive care unit. And that was on the fourth floor. And mom was on the, the ground floor, the emergency room. So we were told to go wait five minutes, no mom, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, no mom. They essentially lost her. There was a miscommunication between the ER and the ICU. Nobody knew to go get her. So she was dying down there all alone for 40 minutes while we were waiting upstairs. And, you know, eventually I screamed and kicked and cursed and got people's attention. They brought her up. And, you know, a few hours later she did die. And after, 
after I went through the grieving process, I started connecting her death to what I was researching. And what I realized, a couple things. Nobody did anything intentionally, but that hospital stole 40 of the last minutes that I would ever have with my mom. And when I went one step further, I started realizing everything you and I and everybody that reads, you know, great work, most everybody that connects with your book, what they do for a living is they use a portion of someone else's time every day. They use a portion of someone else's life, excuse me, that was the better way I wanted to say it, every day. We get this interview, you are using a portion of my life, I'm using a portion of yours, in order to get both of our work done. That's the way we all get work done. So we need to understand how precious life is. This is the great work. I came to the big conclusion that probably the most important number in business is is 1,440 that nobody ever talks about, and that number is the minutes in a day. And it's not about time management, be more efficient, be more effective, be able to get a file instead of off your desk in five minutes, get it off in three. It's about life. The reason why dealing with all of this stuff and being conscious and aware of how you use people's time and how you use your own time is because you never know if you're running a meeting that really was a waste of time, but you did it to cover your ass. You never know if somebody is sitting there in your meeting during when they could have been home with their mom at the last 40 minutes of their mom's time or You know, your own sister or spouse or kids, you are constantly, the way you work, constantly stealing time from them. So it's more about being passionate about what truly matters and passionate about how we use time so that we have more time for what truly matters to us. And, you know, in the subject of your book, great work, great life, everything, they're all intertwined. So that's a, that's a wonderful story and, and powerful because it, it takes both you and us beyond the, the, the humdrum and the tactical about, you know, can I read this faster? Can I access this quicker? Can I do this more efficiently? And then ask the question, for the sake of what? Right. And, um, helps us understand that, you know, this isn't just a tiny transaction in the moment. It is actually, uh, contributing or, or diminishing our overall quality of how we spend our life, how we spend our time, and speaks to the importance of life is too short not to get this right, not to get, not to be working at getting it right all the time. Exactly. And, and I, Michael, I want to add on to your, your description of great work. You say, you know, if you're doing great work, uh, you know, brings you to the edge of who you are, your learning edge work that stretches you, but it also, it's rewarding and it's risky, inspiring and frightening and compelling and paralyzing. It takes focus and courage to do great work. That, that one line is critical because from all the research I've done around the world, what I have found is I ask people three questions around the world, three basic questions, and I have a little courage meter, and the courage goes from one to ten. Um, one piece of cake, no sweat. I can do it in my sleep. No big deal. 10. Oh my God, the world will end. You know, 
hell will freeze over. Everything, the world, just everything will die. Everybody, you know, ends uh, if I do this. You know, so I I ask people on a courage meter one to ten, how much courage does it take to say no to more work? How much courage does it take to delete fifty percent of your emails without ever reading them? And how much courage does it take to not go to one of your boss's meetings, even though you know it's a waste of time? Right. On all three of those, the average around the globe is about seven. You know, that is horrifying. Most of our people who are working are afraid to delete an email. If we can't delete our emails and we can't keep up with them, how are we going to have the courage to live a life worth living and to do great work? Most of us are on the treadmill of answering emails instead of doing great work. I can't emphasize enough. The perspective that I hope to bring to this conversation that um, that's maybe slightly different than many of the other people you're speaking to is you need to create the space for great work. Right. And right now, most everybody that is going to be reading your book will be it feel it takes a lot of courage to miss something, to not go to a meeting. To you know, to not delete you know that email. Oh my God, I could you know I'll be in trouble. People will think poorly of me. Well, you know, you only have fourteen hundred and forty minutes, and you have to make choices. This is uh, you know Randy Pausch, the, the 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 last lecture. You know, yeah. he got up in front of everybody and said, "I'm dying." These are the choices you have to make, and he says, you know. What you got to choose, and for most people, it's not about whether or not they're going to die and spend time with their family, but they don't realize that all those emails they're trying to keep up with and all those meetings they're trying to keep up with are stealing time from their sons, their daughters, their you know, their spouses, their themselves. Exactly. So now, I mean, this is one of the things I love about the Simplicity Survival Handbook is that at the start of each one of those sort of thirty-two approaches or tactics, um, you have you have three omissions. You know, one is courage, one is difficulty, and one is yield. So people can truly weigh up just what's at stake by taking this on board. And I think your insight is very powerful about it takes courage to do great work because courage because you must make choices. In fact, you must say no to somebody and something. In fact, really one of the one of the measurements of great work is who's pissed off with you. Exactly. And if somebody's slightly irritated with you, it means that you've actually started to say no and create some focus and some boundaries around that. And the one thing that I would add to that, and when you're ready, this can segue into what am I doing next. Uh, I found a huge generational difference uh, when I do speaking tours, still most of the people that attend my workshops and keynotes are in their 40s or above. And what I find, they are paralyzed by this fear and they're tying deleting to an email to the economy, to, you know, to the 2.2 kids that I have at home, the white picket fence, the mortgage and my job. And, oh, my God, if I delete this email, I will, you know, I will lose the job. You know, first of all, that's all bogus. But what I want to point out is there is a huge generational difference 
Gen Y or everybody 25, you know, maybe depending on where you cut, do the dividing line, 30 and under, they don't care about this. They'll delete crazy, you know, like crazy. Right. Uh, matter of fact, they won't listen to you even though they, you want them to. My son is 21, and I keep sending him emails, and he says, yeah, when I get to it, when I feel like it. You know, and right. I keep going, but I'm the authority figure. You know, <laughs> I don't say that, but I feel that sometimes. Sure. You're supposed to listen to me. I'm the dad. You know, and he's, he's, his generation is like that. It's like when – and I think that's wonderfully positive about them. They don't get caught up in this, oh, my God, I've got to keep up with all these emails. They pay attention to the ones they feel are important, right. and they ignore the rest. And that's, oh, that, you have to do that. You know, wise, wisely, but, you know, not destroying your career. But you cannot. Information is bubbling every 550 days. Every 550 days, you will have twice as much information in your inbox. You cannot keep up the way you are doing it. You have to change. So um, that, that ties back with how you started the conversation about the capacity to scan and extract what matters quickly. And there is something about that younger generation that has this ability just to rip through information more quickly and faster than older folks. Um, I count myself as one of those older folks. Um, and, ex- and their ability to, to target what, what they're going to choose to respond to and what not to. And there, there's upsides and downsides to both generational approaches. They, the upside for 25 and younger is they can scan quickly. The downside is they scan too quickly and they don't really get some meaning. The boomers spend way too long, but they get a lot more depth and meaning than Gen Yers. So there, there needs to be mentoring on both sides. In fact, one of the things I, I end every workshop with is... Get yourself two mentors, one that is half your age and one that is twice your age. That's a great piece of advice. One that's twice your age is to teach you the wisdom of the ages, the timeless thing. One that is half your age is not to teach you technology and help you with the latest upgrade of whatever you got. It's to teach you this is the way the world is going to work, you know, in the next 10 years, wake up and pay attention to it. So, Bill, um, I'm going to ask you to, to do two things. One is I'm going to say to the majority of the people listening to this call, I suspect are sort of mid-level managers, and I'm going to ask you to offer up one specific tactic to say if you can do just one thing to help get closer to great work, what that one thing is. And I would say to people that the Simplicity Survival Handbook in particular for me is chock full of specific tactics and strategies that uh, people might use and can use to better choose how to spend their time. But I'm curious to know what what one tactic you'd offer up. And then I'd love you to talk a bit more about what your great work is now and and where you're taking your commitment to simplicity. Uh, Context, brief context setting for that one great, the one thing. Uh, there is a big emphasis with getting things done today, and there's a great, you know, there's great book and great uh, workshops out there under that name. And getting things done is super important. Probably the biggest skill that most everyone has to figure out how to do is what not to do. So it's eliminating things, and that relates to the one most important thing. It is all around communication. There's lots of things that are deep skills, 
but the thing that I teach everybody in workshops that they can apply within two hours of, of a quick lesson is the you are losing two to four hours per day trying to keep up with all the clutter that hits your electronic, verbal, and meeting inbox. You have to edit it out. So the one great thing is to start being more judicious in what you pay attention to as far as incoming and outgoing. Very simple. There's you know maybe another... 45 minutes if I had it to teach more about it, but the very simple rule of how to communicate is no, as in K-N-O-W, no, feel, do. Everyone out there is made up of intellect, emotion, and the need for action. The way to do speed freak clarity is as short as possible in an email or a meeting. Here's the one thing I want you to know. Here's either what I want you to care about or how I care about you. That's feel. And here's the one thing I want you to do. That was, you know, if you add a few more details onto that, that's about, you know, a 15 second introduction to a meeting or a five line email. Speed free clarity is super critical. That's the one thing that I would ask everybody to focus on. And why? Because if you do it well, you will save yourself two to four hours per day. Not to mention how much time you save everybody else. Yes. So where's your work taking you now, Bill? With picking up on that generational difference, uh being 50 plus right now, I've discovered even though I write about the generations, I'm, I'm too old to write with authority. I've paired with a, a wonderful guy who's 30-ish, uh, Josh Klein, and we are currently writing a book uh, and researching and writing a book called Hacking Work. And it's about, it's about the generational difference, how Gen Y is coming up, and it's a how-to for anyone that wants to redesign their workplace more around them if the managers are too slow doing it. And for the, if that scares anybody who's listening right now, for the managers who need to speed up, we give them tips on how to do it so that they can retain their best and their brightest. I'm sure it's going to be a fascinating dialogue from both sides of the fence about what does it take to create a workplace that works for them and works for us. And that's one of the secrets that we're trying to bring to this is we're setting up online online dialogues between over 30s and under 30s and having them debate instead of just pointing fingers. We're trying to get them to say, this is how we need to resolve it for both of our needs. Bill, how can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, Very simple simplerwork.com www.simplerwork.com Fabulous. And uh, your books are at good bookstores near you and near them and near everyone. At least they should be. Yep. Um, and uh, I won't go on again about how much I love uh, the Simplicity Survival Handbook, but in case you missed it the first 17 times I endorsed it, I love this book and I would strongly encourage people to go out and grab it as a way of saying there are a ton of ways to find clarity and hold the time and the space that you need to do great work. Bill, it has been a total pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. 
We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.